0: Good morning, friends. It's great to be here with you all. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Today we are in our 17th week in the book of Philippians. Uh, Perhaps I have enjoyed it and gotten more out of it than any of you. If you can't tell by now, uh, I enjoy preaching and teaching the scripture. I consider it an honor and a tremendous responsibility. It's uh, awesome, they would say, or it's my passion. I told this to somebody a couple of weeks ago that it was my passion to teach the scripture, and they said, uh, "Yeah, duh." Okay, I'm honored to be here. I really am. Thank you for being here. Today we unpack only two verses in Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, and these two verses are are, are beautiful. Uh, they are two of the most popular, most Famous and most practical verses in all of the scripture, yet they are also verses that are vastly misunderstood. At the core of Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, we see the issue of worry. And in verse 6, we see a decision that we must make when it comes to worry. And then in verse 7, we see the solver of our worry, God, and we see his response. And his response to our worry Is 100% guaranteed. With that in mind, today we will read Philippians chapter 4. We will read with the context starting of verse 1 and we will read to verse 7. Philippians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see my joy and my wreath or crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Verse 2, I urge you, Yadi, and I urge you, Sutukane, to get along, to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. They are Christians. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will emphasize, again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, for the Lord is near. And this is where we are today. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You know, we worry about everything. Can I just get an amen to that one? If there's something to worry about, we as humans will find a way to worry about it, right? I mean, we worry about our favorite football team. (laughs) I had this friend in college that painted himself red and white with a white stripe right down his shaved head. And to him, football was worth worrying about and staying up late at night and being depressed over. We worry about school. You know, every semester at seminary, I had syllabus shock and terrified at all the work ahead. We worry about election season as if God is not in control. I'm hate mail. Anyways, okay. (laughs) Okay. We worry about what to wear. We worry about what people think. We worry about our reputation. We worry about our job, if we can keep a job, if we can find a job, or if we can retire from a job. We worry about our car, if it will break down, if it's nice enough or if it's big enough. We worry about our hair, our clothes, our style, or our lack of hair. We worry about our status, we worry about our reputation, our future, we worry about our present, and we especially worry about our past as if we could change it. Friends, let's just just stop with the madness. We worry about so many senseless things that we just cannot control. Can I get an amen to that one? We worry about so many futile things and these things consume our minds. They consume our thoughts and the what ifs and they consume our hearts. They consume our emotions. They consume our fears and worries. But there is irony. We all know we should not worry. We all know that stress and anxiety and worry rots our souls. We know fear causes health problems and causes us to be a bit crazy. We know this, but very few people in this world actually have any idea how to overcome worry or anxiety or fear. So when we are clueless to how to overcome worry, what do we typically do? When we worry, we then tighten control. We work harder, we work smarter, we save more, and we stress more. And when this doesn't work, we, if we still can't overcome worry, then what do we do? We attempt to escape. We escape our stress, we escape our fear, we escape our worry through video games, through food, through distraction, through addiction, through work, through drugs, or just busyness. Or when we worry and we don't know how to overcome it, we look to gurus in the culture or we look to the latest best-selling book to give us answers on how to overcome our fear. Worry is an epidemic in our culture. It rots our souls, it poisons our body, and it consumes our mind. But worry is not just out there in the world it's not just out in the darkness of the world but worry and fear is oh man it diseases it plagues the church worry is not just a problem out there in the, in the in the brokenness of the world but worry is a problem in here even as Christians we panic we stress we fret over everything despite knowing that God is sovereign over the entire universe i've seen Christians worry about budgets and wall paint and the color of the carpet we worry about attendance as if we can control that christians worry about people's opinions we worry about not offending people (laughs) i hope i offend you (laughs) because the truth is offensive amen the gospel is offensive especially to a sinful and broken world, the truth is offensive. I hope I offend you. If you want fluff, and want a fluff that doesn't offend you, then you probably came to the wrong place. We all have a problem with worry, and I am included. We all know worry is awful. We all know it diseases our soul, our body, consumes our minds and our hearts, but then the question we have to answer is, okay, how do we, as believers in Jesus Christ, how do we overcome worry? The answer to that question is actually quite simple. The solution to our problem of fear and worry is not out there in the culture, It's not found in some book. The solution to fear is found in the book. It's found right here in Philippians chapter 6 and 7. And what I find beautiful about these verses is that in verse 6, Paul provides us the solution to our fear, to our worry, to our anxiety, to our fretting. And then right behind that in verse 7, he shows us the promise of God, the solver of our worry. Notice it with me. Notice the solution and the solver of our worry in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to read these two verses together, and then we will pick it apart phrase by phrase. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Be anxious for nothing. Notice that phrase, for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And the result of that, if we do it, verse 7, And the peace of God, not just some peace, but the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God's solution to worry, to our anxiety problem, is found in the two commands in verse 6. Notice the first command in verse 6. What is the first command? It says this, to be anxious for nothing. And this phrase, be anxious for nothing, is actually only two words in the original language. It's really the word anxious. The word anxious here means to worry or to be troubled. It's another example of it is in Matthew chapter 6 verse 34. If you're familiar with this verse, it says this, do not worry. About tomorrow, for tomorrow, word about self, today has enough trouble of its own. So that word anxious there means to be worried, or be troubled, or to be stressed, or to fret. But the second Greek word in this phrase is the word nothing. But it really doesn't mean nothing. What it actually is, Paul uses a compound word. It's actually made in. It actually means this, that Paul says to be anxious for not even one thing. So what is Paul literally saying in this phrase? He's saying that we as Christians, that the believers in the church in Philippi and we today should not worry about even one single thing. Now I want you to grasp something. I want you to grasp grasp the magnitude of this phrase. Where is Paul when he writes this Phrase, to be anxious for nothing. Where is he? Yeah, Paul is like a turkey on Thanksgiving Eve. Okay, I've used that illustration before. Paul is sitting in prison in Rome, shackled. He is waiting before his trial before a psychopath named Nero who could lop off Paul's head at any moment. So from a human perspective, what? Paul has every reason to be stressed out. He has every reason to be anxious. If you could have, if you could die at any moment by a psychopath named Nero, what would your temperament be? I would imagine you'd be a bit worried, right? But Paul here in this one phrase says, be anxious for not even one thing. I find that amazing. That he has the wherewithal, the maturity, to say, to be anxious for nothing in the midst of him sitting in prison with the emperor called Nero at the helm. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to do just a very quick but very important rabbit trail. This phrase, be anxious for nothing, is not an invitation for irresponsibility. Okay? Just because you're anxious about something. Okay. In other words, please pay your mortgage next month. That's basically what I'm saying to you. Because otherwise, you will have reason probably to worry, okay? What Paul is really saying is this that do not fret, do not stress, do not worry, do not be anxious over things that you cannot control and that you're not responsible for. You know, I have read this verse, these two verses, I've memorized them long ago. And I've read this so many times, and as I was meditating on this verse, I just saw this phrase, and I said, Be anxious for nothing. What do I want to say to Paul? Yeah, right. Right? How many of you else feel that way when I say, Be anxious for nothing? I want to say to Paul, yeah, right. I mean, even this morning. All right, on the way to church, I'm stressed, I'm fretting, I'm troubled, I'm worrying about a host of things. But this statement, be anxious for nothing, makes so much more sense if you understand the root cause of worry and anxiety and fear. Let me ask you a question What is the root cause of stress and fear and worry? I asked this question, and I gave an answer to, to the staff and staff meeting this week, and they warned me of the hate mail to come. I want you to think about something, that when you worry, what are you really wanting? Yeah, I heard it. When you worry, when you stress, when you fear, what you really want is you want the desire to be able to control the things that you cannot But how do I get this? Notice verse 6. Why do I say that really anxiety and fear boils down to control? It's because of the second command in verse 6. Notice it with me. The first command. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the second command? The second command is to let your requests be made known to God. Command number one is to be anxious for nothing. How do we do that? Command number two is that we let our requests be made known to God. In other words... In order to conquer worry and anxiety and trouble, we must make our request known to God. But what does that really mean? I mean, it's not like God, who is sovereign over the entire universe, who knows exactly what you're thinking at all times. It's not like God doesn't know it already. So what is Paul really saying to us in verse 6? God already knows what you're troubled about. God already knows why you're fearful and worried. What is He really saying? He's saying this to let your request be made known to God. What He's saying is just let go, to give your worry and your fear and anxiety to God. Point number one is to let go of worry, and point number two by giving it to God. The root of worry, the root of fear, the root of anxiety is the desire to control. I mean, think about all the things you worry about. Why do you worry about them? I worry about my child's health. As some of you probably know, my child, as of last week, I walk down off this pulpit, I grab my stuff, and I walk out, I go to my office, and I see my three-and-a-half-year-old in Laurel's arms, And Laura Bates said, oh, by the way, your child had a seizure. And when I picked her up, her face was blue. I was worried. Of course I was. But why do I worry? It's because I can't stop it. I can't control. We worry about our money. We don't worry about the money in our savings account. We worry about our money in the stock market. Why? Because we cannot control it. We worry about our job. We worry about that we may lose our job if our company isn't doing well. Why? Because you can't just do anything about it. We worry about flying on an airplane. Right? How many else worry about that? Why? Why do you worry about it? It's because if the plane decided to crash, you, have, you can do nothing to stop it. That's why we aren't fearful to drive, even though it is a far more dangerous way to travel. And that's why we have backseat drivers. Okay, no nudging, okay? It's because they can't control the car. They have fear and worry and anxiety. Anxiety and control are directly linked. They are inseparably tied. The root of worry and fear is the desire we have to control. So how do we overcome worry? We let go of worry by giving it to God through what instrument? Yeah, very good. What is the instrument in which we let go? It is found in verse 6. It's it's prayer. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. How do we actually relinquish control of that which we're worried about? It is through prayer. That's what it says. But notice all of the phrases here in this little, this little half sentence. Paul says first, be anxious for nothing but in everything. Catch that phrase. In all situations of life. Whether you're happy, whether you're sad, whether you're fearful, or whether you're worried, whether you're being blessed or whether you feel like you're being cursed. In any situation, in everything, you give it to the Lord through prayer. But then notice the other adjectives. With supplication, and with thanksgiving. Now, some scholars believe that these added adjectives, the supplication and thanksgiving, are discussing the different ways we pray. And they could be, that could be true, but I don't know if Paul is, really intends, in verse 6, to give us a comprehensive compound treatment of all the different ways we pray. What I feel like Paul is saying this is this. Whether you come to the Lord in thanksgiving or supplication or whether you petition or whether you make requests made known to God or whether you pray in all things, in all ways, surrender your worry, your troubles, your anxiety, your fear, To the Lord through prayer. Point number three, if you haven't written it down yet, is through prayer. But let's not miss the best part. Verse 7 is just glorious. I hope that you do not miss the promise Of God in verse 7, that if we are willing to be anxious for nothing and if we are willing to let go of our worry and our fear, then God does something in return. It is a promise. Notice verse 7. Be anxious for nothing. Let it go. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the result of verse 6 and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord, that when we relinquish control, what do we gain? We gain peace. Catch what I'm about to say, that God trades anxiety for peace. God trades worry for peace. God trades fear for For peace. But what is required? We must let go. But it's not just any peace. Notice the peace that He gives. Quality number one in your notes, if you have them, it says, and the peace of God. It's not just some peace, but quality number one, it is divine. It is a peace that only comes from God. God trades human anxiety with divine peace. And the peace of God, this isn't a fleeting peace, but it is divine. It is infinite. It is life-giving. And since it is divine, this peace, what I have found in my life is that this peace is the exact amount and exact peace we need in our times of trouble. The creator of joy and peace gives us divine and perfect peace at the moment of surrender. Quality number two. Not only is this peace divine, it is of God, but quality number two, notice the next little phrase, it surpasses all comprehension. Quality number two of God's peace is that it is incomprehensible. God trades control for a peace that surpasses All human understanding The peace that comes from God Has no explanation That is what Paul is basically saying That the peace that God gives us Is infinite And just think about this That God is an infinite being And we are finite beings No wonder God's peace that He gives Doesn't really make sense It doesn't make sense to medicine It doesn't make sense to our ability To understand why Because He is an infinite Loving, merciful God And we are finite, sinful human beings. So this peace is of God. It surpasses all comprehension. And number three, it is impenetrable. What does it say? It says, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you have a pen, I would encourage you to circle those words Will guard. God's peace, literally in the original language, that is a military term where it says will guard, that God sets up a garrison. That God's peace comes to guard our hearts and our minds. Our hearts is the center of our emotions and our worries and our heartbeat. And when we worry, it goes faster. And our minds are the what-ifs and the thoughts that are swirling around in our mind. That the peace that God gives us is divine. It is incomprehensible. And God comes down and He sets up camp. He sets up a fort around your heart and your mind at its gates. But it gets better, because what you don't see in English is that this verb, will guard, is in the mood of certainty. I'm trying not to get TMI on you, but it's in the indicative mood. This Greek verb is... 100% One hundred percent certain. What is it saying? That when we surrender our worry and anxiety, not only is the peace divine, it is incomprehensible, it is impenetrable, but also number four, it is one hundred percent guaranteed that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is one hundred percent guaranteed. But what is required? What is required for you to overcome worry? It is required that you surrender, that you let go of control. You give it to God through prayer. But, but catch what I'm about to say. I know I know you. I don't know you, but I know you enough to know that you worry about something. Can I get an name into that, please? Unless you're a robot or a cyborg, you worry about something, okay? Uh, you have something that is, just consumes your heart and your mind. It does. I have it, you have it. But when you give it to the Lord, if you do not experience the peace of God, which is absolutely 100% guaranteed, if you do not experience that, then what does that tell you? That you did not surrender it to the Lord. God's promise of peace is guaranteed to all those that will surrender it to Him. If you do not have a peace, then you are still trying in some way to have control. So my question for you is, what will you choose? What will you choose? Will you choose to continue to worry and rot your mind and rot your soul and rot your thoughts with anxiety? Or will you surrender control? It's the two choices. You can worry. We certainly do. You can have fear. But the Lord is standing. I I just have this picture. of standing with a garrison waiting for you to surrender to protect your mind and your heart from being penetrated with the world of worry and with stress and with fear. What will you choose? What will I choose? Will we choose control or surrender? Will we choose control even though we know that God controls things anyways? Just saying. My goal for any message I give is life change. My goal for this message is for you to just let go of what you worry about. So for as my application, I want you, what I, what I really wanted to do with Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7 is this. I wanted to, you, you, I would imagine many of you have probably heard sermons on this verse before, these verses and there are probably plenty of sermons online that you can watch. There's plenty of them about worry and about a preacher that has a squirt going on. Anyway, moving on. But what I wanted to do with these verses, I wanted to actually hold up a mirror to your life. I wanted you to ask yourself the question, what, is, what do I worry about the most? If you have your note sheet on the back, question number one is that exact question. What do you worry about the most? What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to pause for about 15 or 20 seconds, and I want you to actually think about that question. What do you worry about the most? And I want you to fill in that blank. I would put it in that blank myself, my child's health. How do you overcome it? Unless you like living that way, which I don't think you probably do, you overcome it by surrendering to the Lord in prayer. Question number two is this. You know what you stress about. Question number two is will you actually surrender it? That's a yes or no question. You can have the desire to control, but you don't control things anyways. Can I get an amen to that one? We don't control things. We really don't. The Lord God, the guy, God that we worship, is sovereign over all of creation. You think you can control something, but you really can't. So why do we bother? Why do we try to control every single aspect of our lives and just waste away Will you surrender? And then question number three is, if you do not have peace after surrendering it, what does that tell you? That means you did not release control. We can run and we can hide and we can try to find all of the ways to escape. We can try to find all of the gurus in this world to teach us how to overcome worry and anxiety in our life. But reality is, is that we really do not overcome worry by ourselves. It just, we may feel better for a moment, but it just kind of sticks around. You can pacify it, you can bury it, but you're just burying more problems. We need help with our worry and with our anxiety, and the Lord is waiting for us with incomprehensible, with divine, with impenetrable peace if we will just surrender. Friends, you, 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 Have to live crippled by fear. You do not have to be handicapped by worry. You do not have to be torn down by the worries of your mind and of your heart. Because as a child of God, God is not sitting up in heaven as a clockmaker who does not care about us, who does not love us. But rather, what I find amazing about the gospel is that not only did God save us eternally, but God provides us an earthly life. And He not only a a changed, transformed earthly life, but He has promised us the Spirit of God living inside of us. He has promised us earthly blessings and an an inheritance in heaven. And not only that, but does God sees our worry, He understands our anxiety, He understands our our fear, and it gives us peace if we will just let Him. You can try to control things, but you will end up wasting away. God is a loving God, the God of the universe, the God of love, which He demonstrated on the cross. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates His own love to us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The God of mercy, the God of peace, our God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim. Kurios, El Elyon, our God that we worship, that God is not just up in heaven, in space somewhere. But God loves you, He is a God of mercy and grace, and He is a God of peace, wanting to bless His children. And if we will just surrender to His love and His control and His goodness, then we will experience a peace. That defies comprehension and impenetrable. The choice is yours. Let go of worry by giving it to God through prayer to experience His divine incomprehensible and impenetrable peace. Let's say that again. Let go of worry by giving it to God through prayer to experience His divine incomprehensible impenetrable peace. As is my uh, conviction, every week I get up here and I share the gospel, and I hope that you do not tune out at this section. Even as believers, that you cannot hear the gospel enough. Can I get an amen to that one? It It should never be old. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then allow me to start with why you need him. You and I, including this guy up here, i got 18,000 fingers pointing down back at me, and I have my wife's pointing finger pointing back at me, that this guy up here makes mistakes, that we sin. Can I get an amen? What I mean by that is that we lie, cheat, and steal. We are imperfect beings, and that causes us to be insepar- separated from a perfect and infinite and holy being, and the penalty of our sin is physical and eternal death. I'll just say the word, hell. That when we sin, we experience physical death, but we also experience eternal death apart from God. But what I find amazing about God, and it never gets old, every Sunday morning I share, and it's always awesome, but that God saw our sin, he saw our mistakes, he saw our condition, he saw our hopelessness, he saw the fact that we could not earn heaven. You cannot do enough things to get to heaven. You can keep on trying, you can keep on working, but, you, but it ain't going to work. But God demonstrated his own love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is the gospel that I'm going to share. This is found in Romans chapter 3. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation or satisfaction of payment through Him, in His blood through Him. And this was to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously, currently, and forever committed. And what is amazing about the Gospel is that it cost God dearly it cost him the death of his one and only son and then God in turn because of his grace and love gives it to us as a gift of righteousness that if we will believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that we would be saved I I I was preparing this message and I just kind of and I feel like I'm prompted prompted to just communicate this. I feel like there's somebody here that needed to hear that, that has been running from God for a very long time. You may think because you prayed a little prayer and you really don't know what you prayed, that you may be a Christian. You may have been running from Jesus for 10 or 15 years. You may feel like you're good enough to believe, but you're not, or good enough to be saved, but you're not. I don't know who you are, but I believe that Jesus is knocking is prompting you to believe and I pray that you would believe in him and be saved for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life bow with me Heavenly Father we thank you for this morning Uh, just your word is awesome it is colorful it is bright it is sweet it is life giving and it is truth Lord, I pray for my friends in this room. All of us have worries. We all have anxiety. We all have fear. Lord, I just pray that we would realize that you are ultimately in control and that we would surrender our desire to control to you and that we would experience the peace that is divine, that is incomprehensible, and that is impenetrable. And, Lord, your peace is guaranteed. Lord, I just pray for my friends, other friends in this room, that they do not know you as Savior, that they would believe in you, and that they would be saved. Lord, I uh, I thank you just for Calvary Bible Church. I thank you for this church. I thank you for just uh, all these, uh, all of us, just our dedication to the Scripture, our dedication to love. Lord, I just pray that we would just uh, be good, be bright lights in this community. That we would share the gospel with this dark world. With in deed and in word. And I pray all these things and I thank you for your word and for this morning. I pray all these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.